Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Welcome back to another edition of the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. There are a whole lot of headlines to discuss today, so I'm going to buzz through them as quickly as possible with a little bit of commentary in between. The Daily Mail reports BLM activist charged with attempted murder of a Kentucky mayoral candidate. A Black Lives Matter activist is also a candidate for Louisville's Metro Council, and he's been charged with attempted murder. The African-American thug criminal animal Quintez Brown, age 21, also faces four counts of wanton endangerment, and he opened fire with a firearm on a mayoral candidate whose shirt was grazed by a bullet in his own campaign headquarters. A judge has ordered this clown to not have contact with the alleged victim, 46-year-old Craig Greenberg, a Jewish Democrat running for Louisville mayor. Police say Brown appears to have acted alone, but the motive remains under investigation. It's simple. He's a BLM activist. He hates white Jews. That's the end of that story. Moving right along. Many of the devices you use right now of electronic nature run on the 3G network. And the shutdown that's coming for 3G will affect everyday devices that most of us own and operate. The forthcoming shutdown of 3G networks in the United States will not just impact older cell phones. With AT&T's 3G network being shut down next week and other carriers following suit later this year, a range of products will require updates to continue working. Home alarm systems, medical devices such as I've fallen and I can't get up, in-car crash notification systems like General Motors' OnStar, other roadside assistance systems. They all run on the 3G network. All of the mobile carriers have been begging customers to swap out their 3G iPhones, Android phones, e-readers, and other handheld devices for newer models ahead of the shutdown. Other businesses are urging customers to upgrade or replace some of the everyday products and services in their homes and in their cars before connectivity simply goes away. Now, if this is left unaddressed, the stakes could be high in certain cases. Millions of cars will no longer be able to contact first responders after collisions. They won't receive updates such as locations or traffic alerts in their built-in GPS systems. Chevy, Buick, Cadillac have some software upgrades for drivers to connect their systems to a 4G network, but most models will simply lose the feature forever. The introduction of 3G back in 2002 allowed some early car infotainment systems and home security services to connect to networks. But wireless companies moved on to 4G and more recently, 5G. And now that major carriers are phasing out 3G technology in the U.S., the victim will be you. As I always say, follow the money. They're forcing your old iPads and iPods, and all of those other electronic devices that connect to the World Wide Web via 3G to simply become obsolete, like 8-track tape players, cassette decks, and reel-to-reels. Home security world, look out. You're going to no longer be able to connect to the 911 system. 
If your home catches fire when you're away, your system will no longer be able to contact the fire department. It's all a ploy to get you to spend more of your money on much more expensive systems. Just remember, it's the Biden administration who's pushing and pushing and pushing to get 5G everywhere. Doesn't matter if it crashes airplanes. Doesn't matter at all if you're spending more money than you can afford in Biden's new inflation economy. We'll be right back. Read a piece in the Business Insider that said it's no longer about the Wuhan China novel coronavirus. Remote workers simply don't want to return to the office. And you can't blame them. Many days, the Truth Hurts program originates from my home studio. Sometimes from the front seat of the F-250, but most of the time over at Studio 63, which is a stone's throw away from the Steve Z domicile. Businesses haven't really reduced office space in the pandemic to the extent that I had predicted, but a lot of companies have simply shuttered their office spaces altogether. The for sale and for lease signs in major cities are way, way more plentiful than they were before the China virus hit because a lot of companies realized we don't need to pay for all of this office space or the insurance on this office space or the utilities or the internet connectivity or parking garage leases. We'll just let our people work from home. Now, some operations like the federal government are trying desperately to phase in returns to office work environments. This amid the rising inflationary fuel prices caused by your president, Gropey Joe Biden. That's right. I wouldn't have mind going to work when diesel was two bucks a gallon. But now that it's four, you know, they want me to go back to the office. While the pandemic is not completely done, it looks like COVID-19 concerns are becoming less of a major reason for people to work from home. Many are choosing the work model because they just like teleworking. Amongst those who have a workspace outside of their home, 61% now say they're choosing not to go into the workplace. 38% say they're working from home because their workplace is either closed or unavailable or inconvenient to them. This according to a new report from the Pew Research Center. Earlier in the pandemic, the opposite was true. 64% said they were working from home because their office was closed due to COVID, and 36% said they were choosing to work from home. 76% of workers with offices already reopened have reported their major reason for continuing to work remotely from home all or most of the time was simply due to the fact that they have become accustomed to it and they enjoy working from home. What about you guys? You're still working from home? Are you working back in the office? Or have you never been given the opportunity to work from home? Either way, I'd like to hold out for as long as possible before having to commute 45 minutes to an hour each day, each way, back to an office filled with people that I know, some of whom don't bathe regularly, don't use deodorant, claim some religious preference for smelling like body odor. Ugh. This is the Truth Hurts program. Now here's a story I'd like you to bookmark some kind of way, maybe record it, play it back later for all of your friends. The Daily Mail reports, President Biden says he put a dead dog on a Republican constituent's doorstep. 
Nikki Schwab is a senior U.S. political reporter for the Daily Mail, and she reported yesterday that President Joe Biden reminisced about his time spent serving on the Newcastle County Council. During an address at the National Association of Counties Legislative Conference on Tuesday, Gropey Joe told the crowd gathered at the Washington Hilton that, quote, I know from personal experience how hard the job you have is, unquote. He recalled how he represented a middle class to working class district with one very wealthy neighborhood within its confines. The president said, and I got a call one night. A woman said to me, obviously not of the same persuasion as I was politically, call me and say, there's a dead dog on my lawn. And I said, yes, ma'am. Did you call the county? And she said, yes, they're not here. And I said, well, I'll get him in the morning. The woman wouldn't accept that answer. She said, I want it removed now. I pay your salary, Gropey Joe said. So I went over. I picked it up. She says, I want it out of my front yard, Gropey Joe said. So I put it on her doorstep, he added. The president admitted, I've gotten much better since then. I doubt it. You're still a piece of crap, Mr. Biden. Biden claims he was in his late 20s when he served on the county council for Delaware's most populous county, Newcastle County, way, way back in 1970. Let's see, I was seven years old then, and he was in politics Carry the one. Uh, that's 51 years of Gropey Joe Biden's life just to that point that he has been taking a salary from some government organization, one or another. He won a U.S. Senate race at age 29 and he said, quote, I used to give out my phone number. Can't do that anymore. They don't even allow me to have a phone anymore. You're probably right, Biden. You should not have a phone. You'd make phone calls and gaffes and promises you can't keep to people who might just record you. He says, I'm going to work like the devil to bring gas prices down. Well, why don't you start by reversing all of the things you did to cause gas prices to go up, Mr. Biden? Like reopen the Keystone Energy Pipeline Project. Reopen drilling for oil on, and natural gas for that matter, on federal waters and lands. Why don't you do that? That's not working like the devil. You are the devil, Joe Biden. He says, we're going to keep working to strengthen the supply chain and bring the cost of every good down, particularly food and automobiles. Another lie, something he can't do under his current economic policies. He says that the Build Back Better joke, that social spending package that essentially killed in the Senate due to Joe Manchin saying he'd vote no and Kirsten Sinema saying she'd vote no, He's pushing the Build Back Better joke as a way for Americans' expenses to supposedly be lowered. This is what the clown Joe Biden said. Look, families are getting clobbered by the cost of everything these days. I know gas food prices are up. We're working to bring them down. He says, I understand when it talks about gas prices going upward. He says, these are necessities, but they're not the totality of what a family needs. So while we work on supply chains, we work to bring down the cost of the things we're talking about that have gone up so high. We still have other ways we can reduce the burden on working class families. Pointing to items like child care that he claims were included in Build Back Better. He's just rehashing the same failed policies that caused inflation, caused supply chain shortages, caused fuel shortages and fuel prices to skyrocket 
caused American businesses to shut down and others to raise prices dramatically, the man doesn't have a clue. This is the Truth Hurts program. Are you looking to build a new home or perhaps renovate your existing home, add on, do some type of repairs, build a fence, build a storage shed, a garage? The cost of a new single family home has risen sharply since Gropey Joe Biden has taken office. In fact, the cost to build a new three-bedroom, two-bath, single-family home is up over $18,600 in materials alone as the cost of lumber skyrockets under Gropey Joe Biden's so-called leadership. And this is disrupting the United States housing market. Cost of lumber is hitting home prices hard. Multifamily homes, $7,300 per unit increase in building, $67 average per month increase in rents noted across the boards, sawmills production down, they just can't keep up with the current demand because so many people were put out of work for such a long period of time during the Gropey Joe Democrat shutdowns in America. My friends, they don't have a clue how to run a nation. Are you a Roman Catholic? Catholic at all? Thousands of baptisms at a Catholic church in Arizona have been deemed invalid because a priest supposedly used the wrong words when performing baptism ceremonies. Father Andres Arango resigned from St. Gregory Parish Church in Phoenix after the diocese leaders discovered he had mistakenly used the phrase, We baptize you instead of, I baptize you. He used that phrase for years. His error means that countless baptisms and irrevocable requirement for salvation in Catholic theology will have to be performed again. Some churchgoers could find that their marriages are not recognized in the church. The Diocese of Phoenix said in a web page intended to answer parishioners' questions, quote, an invalid baptism invalidates any subsequent sacraments, especially confirmation, marriage, and holy orders. In announcing the resignation of the priest, the Bishop of Phoenix, Thomas Olmsted, urged churchgoers to join him in praying for Father Andres and all of those who are going to be impacted by this unfortunate situation. Father Andres Arango said, in a written statement, he says, It saddens me to learn that I have performed invalid baptisms throughout my ministry as a priest by regularly using an incorrect formula. I deeply regret my error and how this has affected numerous people in your parish and elsewhere, adding that he would remain a priest and dedicate my energy and full-time ministry to help remedy this and heal those affected. The issue with using we is... It is not the community that baptizes a person. Rather, it is Jesus Christ and he alone who presides at all of the sacraments. So it is Christ who baptizes through the hands of the priest. The bishop says he does not believe Father Andres had any intentions to harm the faithful or deprive them of the grace of baptism and the sacraments. On behalf of the local church, I too am sincerely sorry that this error has resulted in disruption to the sacramental lives of a number of the faithful. He said the termination was made after careful study by the diocesan officials and consultation with Catholic leaders in Rome.
Anyone who was married after being baptized by Arango is asked to call the diocese immediately. They said, if your baptism was invalid and you received other sacraments, including marriage, you may need to repeat some or all of those sacraments after you are validly baptized as well. Hmm. A whole bunch of people grew up and lived their entire lives thinking they were baptized in Christ in the Catholic Church, only to find out now, not so much. What a mess. We'll be right back. How's that wokeism working out for you in the public school system? If you're in very blue San Francisco, it's a bloodbath. According to Mediaite, Deep Blue San Francisco overwhelmingly votes to recall the far-left school board members. It's about damn time. Three Democrat members of the San Francisco school board were recalled in a landslide vote yesterday over issues related to reopening of schools and more. The overwhelming decision marks the first time in the progressive city's history that any school board member has ever been recalled and this time it was three. School board president Gabriele Lopez and members Fauga Maliga and Allison Collins were recalled by over 70% of voters. And this is particularly noteworthy because of the politics involved. The city is progressive Mecca. The progressive board members were pursuing goals popular on the far left social media but not obviously in line with parents and what parents want for their cheerings. Siva Raj is one of the groups that led the campaign for the recall of these three uber-liberal, leftist, progressive, woke school board members. Siva Raj said, It's the people rising up in revolt in San Francisco and saying it's unacceptable to abandon your responsibility to educate our children. Parents in the city accused the board of prioritizing woke politics and social justice issues, such as altering murals and, rather famously, working tirelessly to rename schools after historic figures of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Hell, they were even complaining about Dianne Feinstein, and there's no way in hell I would want a school named after that nut job. They say this was the problem. They focused on all of this renaming and social wokeism instead of focusing on getting the children back to school and protecting their education. The Associated Press wrote in their report that the Republicans are increasingly looking to the education fight as galvanizing issues that could help them to sway voters. This recall effort was begun by and voted on in a very progressive city. This, hopefully, will be a wake-up call to Republicans that it is time to say enough is enough in Wokeville and start moving us back to making America great once again, taking back America from the woke, liberal, far-left, progressive politicians that are turning our nation into a giant, melting snowflake. Your president, the commander-in-cheat, gropey Joe Biden, the Alzheimer's patient, says he is doing everything in his power to bring prices down. And just the opposite is occurring. Everything is expensive these days, and there is no hope that once the supply chain issues are resolved, that anything will even get cheaper. Typically, when prices go up, they do not easily come back down at all. 
LSU economist Dr. Jim Richardson told a New Orleans radio station that the consumer price index doesn't really budge once it hits a certain point, even if some individual commodities like oil or some food items fluctuate up and down. The soaring prices have the full attention of the Fed and other economic entities. Inflation has all but evaporated any pay increases that people saw post-COVID, and inflation has hit the highest level in over 40 years, thanks to the economic policies of gropey Joe Biden. And this, my friends, as I explained to you and warned you about over a year ago, is the key factor behind interest rate hikes which are on the way. Richardson cautions he doubts that the rate increases will be too aggressive, but nobody knows the way the economy is being run now under Biden. Rate hikes may somewhat slow future inflation, but the inflation that has already hit us is baked into the system now through new, higher price floors for goods and services nationwide. Richardson said the rate of inflation can be tempered and lowered, and that means you will not have further inflation if it works, but you won't have a reduction in overall prices anytime soon, if at all. One example is cars. If you were holding out for the chip shortage to be resolved soon so that you could run out and buy a car at lower prices that were closer to pre-pandemic levels, you may be out of luck. New car prices are up 12% since last year. Used car prices have risen 40%. Even if the supply chain moves closer to demand, Richardson says dealers really don't have any incentive to sell at prices much lower than they are now. Car dealers will simply not order as many cars to put on the lot, which will artificially make people think there's still a shortage of vehicles. It's that simple. The car dealers will say we don't need to lower the price and we don't want to because the market that is out there is willing to buy it and pay the prices that we are currently charging. There might be some minor reductions in car prices by this time next year, but it's all in the hands of gropey Joe Biden and the failed economic policies of this administration. This is the Truth Hurts program. Let's do a little history lesson again, shall we? Back on April 10th of 2019, Bill Barr was the Attorney General of the United States, and he testified in front of a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee during the height of the special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into President Donald Trump's 2016 campaign. You might recall at the center of the Mueller probe were accusations made by the Clinton campaign of Russia, Russia, Russia collusion. Remember? Well, during a back-and-forth session with Senator Gene Shaheen, a Democrat of New Hampshire, Barr used the term spying to describe the tactics used by the intelligence community and the FBI to surveil Trump campaign officials. Even back then, he explained why the Department of Justice was taking a closer look at the practice. Barr testified, quote, For the same reason we're worried about foreign influence in elections, we want to make sure that during elections, I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. It's a big deal, Barr testified. Spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. The question is whether it was predicated, adequately predicated. I'm not suggesting it wasn't adequately predicated, but I need to explore that. I think it's my obligation. Congress is usually very concerned about intelligence agencies and law enforcement agencies staying in their proper lane, and I want to make sure that happened. 
We have a lot of rules about that. As senators attempted to process that statement with many in disbelief, it was as if the air had been sucked out of the room. Barr's remarks, you might recall, set off a firestorm of controversy amongst Democrats and their allies in the media. Television network hosts quickly assembled the former Obama administration officials and their political pundits to condemn Mr. Barr's use of the term spying. I remember now former Obama CIA director John Brennan saying during an interview with MSNBC, I was very disappointed in what Attorney General Barr said today about spying when he was referring to the investigation that was predicated. For the Attorney General to imply or say that there was spying domestically, he knows the language very well, he knows the terminology. Bill Barr was referring, my friends, to the improper and abusive use of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, in that process against the Trump campaign. On January 23rd of 2020, after strong condemnation from the FISA court itself, the Department of Justice determined that two warrants that were used by the FBI for spying against Trump official Carter Page were not properly predicated and therefore should have never, ever been issued. Over the weekend, Special Counsel John Durham, who was appointed by Barr, confirmed additional spying which extended to President Trump's time in the White House. That's right. They admitted it. Fox News reported exclusively, quote, Lawyers for the Clinton campaign paid a technology company to infiltrate servers belonging to Trump Tower and later the White House in order to establish an interference and a narrative to bring the government agencies linking Donald Trump to Russia, a filing from special counsel John Durham found. Durham filed a motion on February 11th focused on potential conflicts of interest related to the misrepresentation of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman, who has been charged with making a false statement to a federal agency. Sussman has, of course, like all Democrats, pled not guilty. In other words, the Clinton campaign paid to create a false Russian narrative after President Trump was duly elected by the voters of the United States of America and the Clinton campaign and the Democrats continued the narrative for two years, forcing the launch of the Mueller probe for the first two years of Donald Trump's presidency, disrupting all of his programs and procedures, and shifting the focus away from the good that Donald Trump was doing for our nation. Republican investigators who sounded the alarm for years about that improper behavior and collusion between the Clinton campaign and those U.S. intelligence agencies have now been proven to have been correct all along. Special Counsel Durham's latest pleading involves indicted Clinton campaign lawyer Sussman, and that definitively shows that the Hillary Clinton campaign directly funded and ordered its lawyers at Perkins Coy to orchestrate a criminal enterprise to fabricate a connection between Donald Trump and Russia. Durham states that Sussman and Mark Elias, Perkins Coy, hired the internet executive Rodney Jaffe and his team to establish an interference and narrative tying President Trump to Russia. This from former chief investigator on the House Intelligence Committee, Kash Patel. This was a release in response to that filing from Durham. He continues, Durham writes he has evidence showing Jaffe and his tech company obtained a sensitive arrangement where they were able to infiltrate White House servers during Donald Trump's tenure. 
per Durham. This arrangement was put in motion in July of 2016, meaning the Hillary Clinton campaign and her lawyers masterminded the most intricate and coordinated conspiracy against Trump when he was both a candidate and later while president of the United States, while simultaneously perpetuating the bogus Steele dossier hoax. You remember that. Patel continued, per the pleading, the government will also show that Jaffe, at the direction of Sussman and Elias and the Clinton campaign, exploited proprietary data to hack Trump Tower and the Eisenhower Executive Office building to establish a false narrative, which Sussman later relayed to U.S. agencies in the hopes of having them launch investigations of President Trump. President Trump has often said he was spied on and the Clinton campaign was guilty of the act. The question now is, who will be held accountable for this egregious assault on democracy that makes the Watergate era look like someone spit on a sidewalk? That's all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Call your congressman, call your U.S. senator, demand action on this egregious violation of our nation's most sacred offices, that which likely led to Donald Trump's defeat to Joe Biden because of the lies of the left, the double standard applied in media reporting, and the collusion between those Democrats, Clinton, Obama, Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, and many, many others. Go out there and try and make it a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Audionautics.